the mayor of Chicago is suing car companies, car companies for making cars too easy to steal. You cannot make it up. Car thefts in Chicago are out of control. That's not a surprise. But of course, we cannot blame the animals who are stealing the cars. So blame the cars. The cars are too stealable. I kid you not. He has filed a lawsuit. That's coming up. According to a new report, the reason that grocery prices are so high is not just because of inflation. Obviously, inflation is out of control. There's one man to thank for that. Unfortunately, that man doesn't even know how to spell the word inflation or his own name. But there's actually a new report that says the massive increase in food stamps. The Biden administration, under the radar, has had this huge boost in food stamps and SNAP benefits. And now the grocery stores are price gouging, are inflating the prices because they know the government's going to pay for it either way. It's government, it's, it's government funded. So that's coming up. Remember when Social Security checks went up because of high inflation? Social Security monthly checks are tied to high inflation. And then Biden took credit. He said, hey, seniors, I got you guys these high Social Security checks. And then, of course, Twitter did a fact check, and the whole thing was bogus. Technically speaking, Biden is responsible for Social Security checks going up, but that's not the credit he was trying to take because it's tied into massively high inflation. So this is sort of the same as that. You will never guess who met with DOJ prosecutors just before Trump got indicted by Jack Smith, just several weeks before Yes, that's right. You guessed it. The, the White House. Yes, President Biden's own lawyer had a meeting uh, with secret meeting with Jack Smith's top aide. Jack Smith, of course, is the prosecutor, one of the many prosecutors who's indicted Trump. And by the way, did you notice Trump's mugshot has gotten has raised nine million dollars and counting since that, that infamous Trump mugshot? He's been using it to actually raise money and doing phenomenally well. I mean, that man, anything Trump touches turns to gold. But either way, several weeks before Trump was indicted, this is a bombshell that the White House counsel met with Jack Smith's top aide. And then a few weeks later, lo and behold, they weren't instructing him. They weren't colluding or anything, saying, hey, maybe you should indict my political opponent. What do you think they were discussing? Maybe they were discussing climate change. (laughs) Maybe they were discussing golf and the grandchildren. I remember when Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton met on the tarmac just a few weeks before they, they decided not to indict Hillary, you know, I'm sure they were just talking about the grandkids. It's disgraceful. The Pentagon, speaking of disgraceful, the Pentagon is negotiating a deal with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Yes, the 9-11 mastermind. In case you're wondering, here in 2023, whatever happened to the mastermind of 9-11 who's been in custody forever, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, well, he still has not stood trial. Literally, Trump has been indicted more times than Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. That's not a joke. If you tell anybody, you know that, you know who's been indicted more? More times, Trump or Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. I think your average person would say, well, obviously Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. No, no, it's actually Trump. It's not, in fact, it's not even close. So how is it possible? And now they're negotiating a plea bargain. De- I mean, it's, it's just, it's mind-boggling. I have no words. It's like, how does anyone possibly, possibly justify or explain the fact that these people have not been dead and buried years and years ago, and the fact that they haven't even stood trial, and they're literally sitting there in U.S. custody, it's just... It's, it's sickening. And this subhuman pig, vicious monster, literally has never been placed on trial. Somebody explain that one to me. New emails have been released um, from the Obama White House back in 2015. Pretty shocking new emails that reveal that Obama's advisors were livid that Joe Biden, his VP at the time, threatened to withhold funding from Ukraine bef- until they finally fired the prosecutor, until they fired Victor Shokin. So it seems that according to these shocking new emails that have been released, 
the Obama people were not happy. And it's amazing that Obama, of course, got away with this because, and not only Obama, all the years Biden got away with it, but they were not happy. So that's coming up. We got some great calls. A lot of callers checked in in response to our debate, recap, debate analysis. A lot of you appreciated that, so I, I'm, I'm glad that you appreciated it. We will get to, a, I'll mention a few of the callers' points coming up about the debate. A television news crew, back to Chicago, a, a TV news crew was robbed at gunpoint last this, this week in Chicago as they were doing a report about robberies. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. It's like the Babylon Bee. I mean, you have Chicago suing the car makers because they're making cars too easy to steal. That's a Babylon, right out of the Babylon Bee. And now a TV news crew in Chicago, they went to a certain neighborhood where there was a lot of robberies. And, the, you know, there was literally like a, a rash of robberies in this place. And they're reporting from that scene and they get robbed. They literally got robbed at gunpoint. And my first question is, wouldn't you think that they would go to a different neighborhood? You're going to a neighborhood to report about robberies in Chicago. And there's plenty of neighborhoods in Chicago that have, you know, high, high robbery, you know, you know high, high, high robbery statistics. But, like, wouldn't you think they, they wouldn't say, like, hey, wait a second, guys, should we go to the area where there's all sorts of robberies? And they did this apparently early morning. This is like a pre-dawn report or something. So should we go to the area where there's been a lot of robberies and report from there? It's an outdoor you know, public report, right? So they're just sitting ducks. Maybe we should go to a safer area. You know, let's go to the place. We, you know, we've got to do an authentic news report here. So we've got a report from the place where all the robberies are happening. Well, lo and behold, they get robbed. Well, hello, duh. So the, a reporter and a cameraman for Spanish language station Univision in Chicago, they were reporting from Chicago's west side early Monday morning. They were accosted at gunpoint by three armed men wearing ski masks who demanded money and personal belonging, belongings. Police are investigating, but so far nobody is in custody. Well, isn't that a shock? I mean, you're literally doing an outdoor news report and say, hey, let's, well, what's the news report about? It's about the recent spike in robberies in this place. Well, let's go to the place where they have all the robberies and let's hope that we're okay. I mean, do they even have like, a, it doesn't sound like they even had a, like a private security guard or bodyguard or something. All right. So again, back on Chicago here, the original point we mentioned, Chicago's mayor is suing Two car manufacturers saying that, and this is wokeness in its most raw and despicable form, cars are getting stolen, it's out of control, but you cannot blame the thugs taking the cars. You know, hey, look, I think we should blame the people. I'm just picturing the conversation here in the mayor's office. Maybe we should blame the thieves. Well, how can you blame the thieves? We're practically begging the thieves to take the car. Here, take the car. The the, the anti-theft devices on these cars are not as good as we'd like them to be. The cars can be, it's hard to steal the cars. You, they don't have a key to the car, so it's not like easy to steal the car, but like, it, it, it's still, these cars are stealable. It's practically begging. It's as though we put a sign up on the car saying, take me. So uh, how can you possibly blame the thieves? I mean, this is, it, it, it's ludicrous. So Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, remember he's the woke um, mayor that got elected to replace Lori Lightfoot. He's facing backlash from Democrats, by the way. He filed a lawsuit against Kia and Hyundai, claiming they manufactured cars that lack appropriate anti-theft measures. You would think that, like, these cars, like, don't have locks. You would think these cars, like, don't have an ignition. They're just the ignition button. Anybody could press it at any time. So this has led to a surge in car theft. The surge in car theft is the fault of Kia and Hyundai. I, I literally, I read this. It's as though I'm reading fiction, except nobody would make up fiction this dumb. Um, so here's what happened. Democrat alderman Raymond Lopez of Chicago, he's actually ridiculing Mayor Johnson. He, was, he went on Fox News, 
And he said, this is a play from a socialist playbook. He said, clearly, we don't have a crime problem. We have a Kia problem in Chicago, according to the mayor. He said, it's the fact they're so easily taken by criminals who run rampant in Chicago. We have yet to hear our mayor say anything about the criminals running rampant. All he does is turn and lambast the media, lambast those who try to hold criminals accountable by playing word games. Johnson's office announced the lawsuit uh, saying both companies failed to include industry standard engine immobilizers. And that resulted in a steep rise in crime. You've got to immobilize the engine. You, you must, you're, begging, you're begging thieves. You're saying to thieves, listen, if this is irresistible, this poll. Please, please, please steal these cars. We are absolutely begging you. Johnson said, quote, the impact of car theft on Chicago residents can be deeply destabilizing, particularly for low-income, middle-income workers who have fewer options to getting to work and taking care of their families. The failure of Kia and Hyundai to install basic auto theft prevention technology is sheer negligence. And as a result, a citywide crime spree around automobile theft has been unfolding right before our eyes. That's literally a direct quote from this mayor. Mayor said that after the safety feature defect was broadcast throughout social media platforms, thefts began to surge. So it was, it was a defect. All right, Trump has raised, as I said, over $9 million off his infamous mugshot. Ron DeSantis is, is going around to police departments saying, please, Take a mugshot of me. I need, I need to raise money. I, I only raised like a million. Trump has raised like nine million in that period of time. Please take a mugshot. I think Ron DeSantis is like shoplifting. He's going to stores and shoplifting. Try, he's going to Kias. He's going and trying to grab a Kia because he heard that they're not, you know, they're not difficult to steal. And uh, Ron DeSantis, the problem is that shoplifting doesn't get you arrested nowadays. So he needs more than that in order to get, to get his lucrative Mugshot. You only get arrested and indicted in a mugshot if you try to uncover election fraud. If you, you know, if you try to ensure that uh, the election is, results are held fairly. You know, it's just amazing. All right. Uh, so one caller said, we get a few callers call up and leaving messages about the debate. One caller said, listen, Fox News. They ignored Vivek. He said that he actually listened. Vivek. I, I look at disclaimer. I know his name is Vivek or Vivek. I'm calling him Vivek anyway, but uh, a caller said, you know, one caller actually left me a voicemail saying, and send me an email. You can send me an email, josh at vinnews.com, josh at vinnews.com. By the way, I should mention, welcome to the Akavim show on Vin News, on Yeshiva International, on Nucky Radio, and on other podcasting platforms. We appreciate you being here. Spread the word. Just tell everyone. I hope, hope you're enjoying it. If you're not enjoying it, and if, like, you get angry at me, and you get frustrated by me, and you think I'm too extreme, some people tell me, oh, you're extreme. You're very hardcore. Like, I don't look at it. I look at it like I'm pretty middle, you know, like I'm pretty objective. But I understand I've heard too many people say that to just ignore it. So if you think that, like, I'm extreme and I just make you want to tear your hair out, well, tell your friends anyway. Let them, you know, some people enjoy that. I don't know. You're listening if you're, if you're hearing me say these words. But anyway, a caller said that this one caller said, if I pronounce it Vivek, not Vivek, I'm still not a racist. Unlike if you call her Kamala instead of Kamala, for some bizarre reason, you're a racist. But. Vivek, it's not going to be an issue because he's he's a conservative, so he's a Republican, so you can't be racist uh, against Republicans. But either way, Fox, on their post-debate recap, they, like, ignored Vivek. It was like Nikki Haley. He said they were, like, praising Mike Pence. Mike Pence's performance was mediocre. That entire debate, I thought, was relatively an exercise in mediocrity. Nikki Haley was strong, so I don't want to diminish. You know, I don't want to throw her into the mix. I thought Tim Scott was brutal. I, I, I admire Tim Scott. I probably agree with him about 99% of things, of issues, but, I mean, poor performance. Mike Pence, he tried, but, like, people point. And Ron, Ron DeSantis was, you know, was strong. Ron DeSantis was, I'll call medium to strong. Nikki Haley was strong. The, the issue with, with, with DeSantis, I'll get to in a moment, 
But anyway, the Fox News apparently was acting like Pence won. And yes, Pence had a few strong moments, but overall was a dud. Um, and, and the caller pointed out that Mike Pence, he was trying to be somebody. He's not. Great point. Great point the caller made that Mike Pence in that debate, he kept bullying, right? He was bullying Vivek. He bullied a few of the candidates. And it was like awkward. Mike Pence was totally, totally not himself. He was like socially off. He was interrupting. His timing was off. It was very artificial. So yes, yes, he actually had a few strong moments because of that, because he was like coming off as more like a Trump type, you know, more gent- a more gentle version of Trump, where he's like fighting and kind of, you know, trying to take on other people and even bully and attack. But it's artificial, and he left his comfort zone. I think this is a great point. Clearly, Pence's handler said to him, listen, you're too gentle, you're too soft. You need to be more like a bully. You need to let, like, the Trump side come out. And, but it really did not work very well. Uh, another caller said, listen, DeSantis sounded scripted. And this is actually true. DeSantis, he had, like, his one-liners that he memorized, and he talked about, you know, sending Joe Biden back to the basement. So I'll, I, you know, I, I said the same thing. However, the caller made an interesting point. The caller said to me, listen, Yes, you're right that DeSantis, his performance, his debate performances might not be the best, might not even be his strength. He, he might not, his strength might not be, Trump's strength is his debates. His strength is his rallies, right? It's what he does on stage. DeSantis, maybe that's his weakness, but the caller said, but what about his policies? He's been so conservative. He takes on the George Soros DAs. He's waged war on the woke left, on Disney, on the education people. I mean, Ron DeSantis has been a fighter for conservative values like, like perhaps nobody else in the country other than Trump, okay? And in some ways, he's even taken on things that Trump didn't touch because of the statewide level. Fine. So the callers made the following point. You know, just because DeSantis is not the best debater, he could still be a great president. It's not a reflection on his leadership, on his policies, the fact that he's not good with the zingers, with the one-liners, and, you know, he's not good with up on stage. So great point. I just want to say something, which I guess is probably obvious, and everybody knows this, but it's just important to kind of speak it out. The sad reality is we don't choose candidates based on their policies. We choose can- and, their, and their track record usually we, as much as we choose candidates based on their persona. So you're right. Debates, rallies, speeches, charisma, those like should not be the thing. But those are the thing. And especially in the last 50, 60 years that these debates have been televised and televised rallies and interviews and everything else and all these TV shows. We, we, we connect to candidates based on their persona. So the person who's articulate, charismatic, who gives a good speech, gives a good rally, good debate performance is going to rise to the top. And somebody might be great on policy, might be somebody that really, really reflects our values. And you and I may notice them, but they're just not going to gain that kind of mass popularity, mass appeal. So you're going to say, well, but then are we, are we not choosing the best candidate? Well, good morning. Yeah, we're not choosing the best candidate. I mean, we've seen it again and again. Bill Clinton. In 1992, nobody ever heard of Bill Clinton. Nobody ever dreamed. Right? People may not remember. Mario Cuomo was the favorite, but I think he didn't end up running in the primaries. But there were a bunch of, you know, maybe Ted Kennedy. There were a bunch of Democrats who ran who were much better known than, than, than Bill Clinton in 1992. Clinton came out of nowhere. Why? Because of his charisma. No other reason. Obama came out of nowhere. Uh, same, same thing. George W. Bush was not the most qualified. We could debate George W. Bush's track record as president, but he was certainly not the most qualified Republican. Mitt Romney, 2012, huge disappointment. But again, Mitt Romney, they told, they said he looked and sounded like a game show host. Mitt Romney only won the nomination in 2012 because of his persona and nothing to do with his, in fact, he was not remotely conservative. Mitt Romney has always been extremely moderate. You know, and, uh, you know, moderate slash left in some ways. I mean, he, he, he was the architect of basically an Obamacare type of program in Massachusetts. He was governor before Obamacare even existed. In fact, Obama, this is very well known, Obama based 
Obamacare on Mitt Romney's health care program in Massachusetts that he that he did as governor. You know, people found it very ironic. Mitt Romney ran in 2012 against Obama, pledging to repeal and replace Obamacare. And people said to him, Obama said to him, like, you basically created Obamacare. We modeled it off of you. And he basically said, yeah, well, it was a statewide thing that was different than the federal. We're not going to rehash all of that now. Um, all right. Another caller. This is not about the debate. Another caller made the point. Great point that Biden has hijacked the Abraham Accords. You remember Trump got zero credit for the Abraham Accords. He should have won the Nobel Peace Prize. He and Jared Kushner. But now you have Joe Biden, who's trying to make broker peace between Israel and the Saudis and Israel and a couple of other countries, Israel and Libya. And but here's what's interesting. So, number one, Biden hijacks the Abraham Accords, using them to bolster his own disastrous you know, foreign policy record. But what's amazing is that Biden's twisting it all around and manipulating it. And I thought the caller made a great point. And I had not thought of this because, remember, Trump, he cut, you know, he made deals between the U.S. and the Saudis. He didn't formally make a deal between Israelis and the Saudis, but everyone knows they got very friendly under Trump. Uh, Trump cut a deal between Israel, we know Bahrain and a bunch of these other countries, right? And the UAE. And um, and what happened was, what about the Palestinians, right? That was always a precondition. No Arab country is going to make friends with the with the Israelis until the Israelis make concessions, came into the Palestinians. And Trump basically said, ah, forget all of that. Don't worry about the Palestinians. He marginalized them. The Palestinians were a non-issue under Trump, and now suddenly under Biden, not only has he sent hundreds of millions of dollars, which are used for pay to slave, but uh, but Biden is reinvigorating the Palestinians. Well, now there's a report that the Saudis want to cut a deal with Israel. Biden's brokering that deal, but the Saudis are insisting, and Biden is insisting to Israel, listen, you've got to first make concessions to the Palestinians. So it's amazing because the, the caller said the Saudis don't seem to care about the Palestinians because the Saudis were ready, ready to come to the table with Trump and do whatever it took. And didn't, you know, they threw the Palestinians under the bus. Now under Biden, suddenly the Saudis care about the Palestinians again. Hard to believe. More likely, Biden's making all sorts of offers to the Saudis. But he's saying, listen, I'm only going to give you this stuff. I'm pressuring you. You've got to force Israel's hand. You've got to force Israel to make concessions to the Palestinians. That's really fascinating that Biden is twisting it all around, using, leveraging the Abraham Accords for his own benefit and for his own agenda, but doing it to hurt Israel because they're trying to pressure Israel to make these concessions, with our, which are very, very self-destructive to the Israelis, who, who are facing right now just uh, a, a huge onslaught of terror attacks from the Palestinians. All right, so Tucker, the big question was, what got more ratings? Tucker Carlson's interview with Trump which took place during the debate or the debate. And there's a little bit of a, it's not so simple. It's, it's a little, I guess we'll call it controversial or it's a little bit ambiguous because we know about the debate. The debate got about um, 12.8 million viewers, the Fox debate, the Republican debate. Now, 12.8 million viewers. Now, Tr Trump's interview with Tucker got 253 million views on Twitter. So, well, you say, well, hello, 253 million versus 12.8 million it's a no-brainer, but a view, and I don't want to get into the weeds here, but a view on Twitter is not the same as watching the actual video. You don't have to click. A view just means it appeared in somebody, somebody's news feed or whatever they call it, and somebody's actually going through Twitter. If they just actually see the tweet that shows the video, but they don't click play, that still counts as a view. So 253 million views is a little bit misleading. So Mediaite is a left-wing website. They've been trying to do contortions. They're tying themselves in knots, trying to say, oh, the debate got a lot better ratings than Trump and Tucker. But you know, I don't think they did a very good job. You know, the media is doing backflips to explain why basically the debate crushed 
the Trump interview with with, with Tucker. So I, if I had to guess, my guess would be that it was probably pretty close. It was probably at the end of the day, it was probably kind of even. And some a lot of people probably saw both because they could see the debate and then see the interview later or vice versa. But here's the story. Mediaite actually has a number here because Twitter does not disclose video views. They disclose views of the tweet, but they don't tell you how many people uh, press play. But there is a website called Mashable. And Mashable, there is an old version of the app that some Samsung devices have an old version of the Twitter app where you can actually still see how many video uh, clicks there were, how many people actually click play on the video. So anyway, without getting into all the details over here, about 14.8 million people as of Thursday, they're saying watched the at least two seconds of the Trump interview with Tucker. So 14.8 million. So 14.8 million versus 12.8 million, that still beats the Fox debate. However, they're saying that it doesn't because um, not everybody watched a significant amount. It was a 46-minute interview. We don't know how many people. We just know 14.8 million clicked play. Some of them are going to click off after a minute or two. Some of them are going to get enthralled and enamored and watch the whole thing, you know, and a lot of people in between, right? 12.8 million viewers. Well, you'll say, well, how many people actually watch the whole debate? Well, apparently that has, that's an average of concurrent viewers of a program. So the total viewership of the viewership of a debate is not of the debate was not 12.8 million. 12.8 million was more like the average at any point in time. I don't know. Whatever. You you be the judge. But I just wanted to report that. All right. Another bombshell. More evidence that the White House colluded with the DOJ to indict President Trump, which basically means it's a Putin-esque strategy of let's indict the you know the Biden White House saying let's indict our political opponent. Um, we literally have White House counsel having a secret meeting with the prosecutor who indicted Trump just weeks before the indictment. This is according to the New York Post. A member of the White House counsel met with Jack Smith's top aide just weeks before Jack Smith indicted President Trump in the classified documents case. This is the clearest evidence to date that the White House has been quietly instructing Jack Smith that he should take out the White House's top political opponent, top political opposition candidate in the heat of a presidential election. It's absolutely disgraceful. Straight out of the Vladimir Putin playbook. Use the DOJ as your personal prosecutor to throw your political opponents in jail. But of course, the mainstream media is nowhere to be found. Asleep at the switch on this story. Another bombshell. Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin, the one who was fired at the behest of Joe Biden um, because he was a nuisance, because he was investigating corruption at Burisma, and Burisma gave millions of dollars to the big guy, which we now know is Joe Biden. Well, Victor Shokin told Fox News that Hunter Biden was appointed by Burisma to protect the company from a criminal investigation. Um, but of course, where is Victor Shokin? Why is he not testifying in Congress? And by the way, this is a question for the Republicans, too. You know, where's James Comer? James Comer has been very outspoken. Kevin McCarthy, they're talking about an impeachment inquiry. How are you not uh, subpoenaing Victor Shokin to come and testify in Congress he seems more than willing to squeal here, and he's saying that Hunter Biden was appointed by Burisma specifically to protect Burisma from criminal charges. Shokin told Fox News um, Hunter was brought on to provide protection from criminal investigations. He was on, interviewed by Brian Kilmeade. He said, quote, I have no doubt there were illegal activities engaged in by Burisma. It continued to expand, and Zlochevsky, which was a CEO, brought in people who could provide protection. Hunter Biden was among them. Uh, it, it, you know, it's so shocking because I thought Hunter Biden was this energy expert. We know that he's a really, really good artist. I mean, people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for Hunter Biden artwork. So I, I don't see it. I've looked at one or two of his paintings, and I don't obviously have don't 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 have very good taste in, in art. But he's clearly a masterful painter. He's the next Van Gogh. And 
I would have thought that if Bariz was paying him millions of dollars and giving some of it to the big guy too, um, wouldn't they, wouldn't you think that Hunter is a great is a great energy? He's an energy genius. He's like a, an energy wizard. But I don't know. Victor Shokin disagrees. He thinks Hunter was brought in for his political connections. Go figure. Um, Shokin claims he was forced out of office in 2016 uh, at the insistence of Joe Biden during an investigation into Burisma. Um, he said, quote, they were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away a billion dollars in U.S. money in exchange for my dismissal for my firing is not that alone a case of corruption. Shokin says he was fired because his office would have found the facts about the corrupt activities they were engaging in. And that included Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and others. So great point by Victor Shokin. We don't even have to go any further because all we have, we have these facts here. Fact number one, Joe Biden went and went to Ukraine and threatened, and we know this because he bragged about it. It's on video. He said, I'm only going to give a billion dollars in Ukrainian in funding to Ukraine if you fire Victor Shokin. That's fact number one. Fact number two, Joe Biden's son is on the board. Okay, whether Joe Biden himself got money, we know through the shell companies, whatever, Hunter Biden's getting paid a million dollars a year. And... Joe Biden's son is on the board, and we know that Victor Shokin was investigating Burisma corruption. So if you just put all those facts together, that is a massive, massive uh, evidence of corruption right there without even going any further. And those are all undisputable facts. All right. Uh, and as I said, internal emails from the Obama-Biden administration from 2016, I think I said earlier 2015, but it's from 2016, published last week by the website Just the News, which is John Solomon, they show the administration officials were shocked that Biden was pushing for Shokin to be fired as a condition of U.S. funding. Remember, quid pro quo, right? That's why Trump was uh, impeached, ironically, because of quid pro quo. And Trump was the one. The reason Trump was actually impeached was because he was about to uncover all this dirt on Joe Biden, which now we know. And he was literally impeached for trying to bring Joe Biden to justice and, tr and trying to expose all this. So the Obama people were livid that Hunter Biden was using his connection with the Obama White House to take millions of dollars in bribes. They were privately furious with Joe Biden. We know that now because of these emails. And they did an incredible job of covering it up. And as I said, why do you think the Democrats worked so hard? When they impeached Trump, there were a lot of different, you know, the Russia hoax, a lot of things flying around. They impeached Trump on this bogus, bogus phone call, the perfect phone call that he had with Zelensky. And now we know, you know, he was asking for Zelensky's help in uncovering all this dirt. And uh, the Democrats probably delayed it by years. All right. According to a new AP poll, a large percentage of Americans, this is interesting. I, I, I want to make a point. I didn't hear anybody else. Well, some people sort of alluded to it, but I just want to make this point here. There's a new poll from the AP and they were trying, they asked people what they associate Biden with and what they associate Trump with, like, like what words come to mind. And with Biden, it was like old and feeble. And Trump, it was corrupt and, cr and criminal. So this is the big AP bombshell is um, new AP poll. A large chunk of Americans think that Biden is old and feeble and they think that Trump is a criminal. And here's what Biden, look, obviously, Biden is old and feeble and uh, Trump is not a criminal and Trump is not corrupt. But of course, anybody, you know, who's responding to an AP poll gets brainwashed by the media. But here's what bothers me is that this means the media has been successful because I keep saying, what would you rather be? Would you rather your candidate be old or would you rather your candidate be corrupt, right? The Democrats, Biden's a disaster. He's a disaster on the corruption. He's a disaster on the Hunter sc Biden scandal and uh, Ukraine gate, Biden gate and all this stuff. The, the, you know, the corruption, the bribery and all of that. He's a disaster on the economy, inflation, his policies, and he's old and feeble. And I always say old and feeble is at the bottom of the list because of all the things, of all the problems, of all the issues with Joe Biden, 
the the one that's going to be the least concerning to pe- people don't want massive inflation, but don't worry, they're blaming it on Ukraine. People don't want a corrupt president. Don't worry, that's being buried by the media. So, oh, he's old. Well, yeah, I don't love the fact that he's old. I'm not talking about me, but I'm talking about your average independent voter. All right. I, you know, I was really speaking to somebody, a relative of mine. And, and this relative, you know, she's talking about Biden versus Trump. She doesn't like either one of them. And she's a Democrat, you know, and I said to her, you know, she's like, I could never vote for Trump. And I said, OK, could you vote for Biden? I said, you know, look at the economy, you know, look at national security, look at Iran, look at the border. You know, she, she reads, she knows that she says, yeah, I wouldn't be thrilled. I, I, I'll have to just do it because I don't have a choice. This is how people view this, you know, a lot of these Democrats and whatever. So the, 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 what I keep saying is the media, they keep focusing on Biden's age. It's not because they're trying to hurt Biden, it's because they're trying to help Biden, because this is what they want. They, they, people should be saying Biden, corrupt. Biden, criminal. You know, Biden should be impeached. Trump is, 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 is an angel compared to Biden. That's what they should be saying. But they certainly, when they're talking about Biden, they shouldn't be talking about old. They should be talking about how corrupt he is now, how much of a disaster he is as president. And they're not because the media has been successful focusing on his age and distracting from everything else. That's my concern. All right. Um, New York City is paying $10,000 per illegal. They're going to house illegals in it. And New York City, it's out of control. They're putting illegals in stadiums and parks. They're making up these makeshift compounds. They're bringing them to residential areas. People living in New York City in suburbs uh, in the five bars are furious. They are rioting against Eric Adams. And it's a nightmare. And a lot of Democrats are furious because nobody wants them in their backyard. It's just a, it's a big, it, this is going to be so, such a humiliation. I mean, for Eric Adams, this is going to bring him down. I think the illegal crisis, the migrant crisis, the call is going to bring him down. But uh, they opened up Randall's Island. Randall's Island, there, there's like a, a soccer stadium and like concerts. Randall's Island is right underneath the Tribar Bridge, now known as the RFK Bridge. And they're literally, the, the, the city's planning to spend $12 billion on illegals over the next three years, which is insane. And that's just on the, the illegals that are already in New York City. There's more coming every day. It doesn't include that. Anyway, $10,000 per illegal for Randall's Island. So what's happening is the city announced, or at least a, a, a reliable, credible source I, I believe in the New York, the New York Post reported, uh, a source says that the city's spending $20 million per month to house illegals, uh, migrants, uh, illegal, uh, undocumented asylum seekers on Randall's Island, a.k.a. illegals. So only Randall's Island is going to cost $20 million a month. Now, if you do the math, they, they have enough um, beds there. They have 2,000 beds. So they have enough space there to, to fit 2,000 illegals. Do the math. If they're spending $20 million a month, and the maximum they have is 2,000 people. That's $10,000 per illegal, okay? $10,000 per illegal per month. Now, here's my question. Why don't they just hand – you know that's $120,000? It's insane. My wife pointed that to me. I said, what's the $20 million being used for? And I said, well, maybe they're going to have five, six, eight thousand 8,000 illegals in Randall's Island. And no, lo and behold, there's 2,000 beds. This is public. This is official. So it's $10,000 per illegal per month. What on earth – if you hand them the $10,000 in cash, each illegal, and you say, go, you know, go find yourself somewhere, it's $120,000 a year. So we're, we're spending $120,000 per year per illegal? It, it, it's insane. That's much more money than your average American earns in a year, $120,000. It, it's, it, it's absurd. And then they're giving them beds on top of that. It just, it, it's just it makes absolutely no sense. All right, as I said, a plea bargain deal is in the works. Uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and other masterminds and architects of the 9-11 attack, these vicious, vicious, heinous, subhuman animals, terrorists, um, they have yet to stand trial, let alone put to death. And the Pentagon is working on a plea bargain deal 
to spare them the death penalty. Why? Why would you spare them the death penalty? And the answer is because they're worried that if there's a trial, they're worried that it's going to come out that there was torture, that they were tortured, that uh, they, they, they endured waterboarding and they endured torture and enhanced interrogation techniques at the hand of the CIA. Good. These were terrorists. They knew about other terror attacks being plotted. They had information, vital information, and you do whatever it takes. It's unbelievable to me that the liberals in this country feel the need to defend uh, the masterminds of 9-11 who were waterboarded to get, inf- to get vital information out of them to save lives. I mean, they deserved whatever happened to them. It's not even a question. It's not even a conversation. So, of course, the victims' families of 9-11 are... Are, are outraged. I mean, they're livid as they should be, and they're very, very distressed. And, uh, oh, I mean, it's unthinkable what they're suffering through. A lot of Republicans are upset, but they literally want to spare them the death penalty. So let me just give you some details here. Uh, the victims' families of the 9-11 attack received a letter August 1st from the Pentagon informing them the federal government may consider a plea, plea deal for Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the principal architect, and his four co-conspirators to avoid the death penalty. In response, more than 2,000 family members of those killed in the 9-11 attacks fired back in a letter saying without a trial, it would, quote, continue to keep the information provided to his legal team, meaning Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's legal team, information that no doubt would shed light on the identity of the 9-11 conspirators, secret and hidden, not only from the, not only from the 9-11 families, but from the American public. The negotiations began more than a year ago. Um, they're still ongoing. They come amid allegations that al-Qaeda prisoners being held at Guantanamo endured torture, including waterboarding, at the hands of the CIA. These allegations have raised concerns about the potential impact on the prosecutor's cases. They're basically saying somehow it's going to hurt the trial. I mean, does anybody really believe that, that they're not going to be sentenced to death because they underwent waterboarding? I'm sorry. I just don't accept that for a second. This is, this is cruelty. This is absolute cruelty that they're delaying this for all these years and that these people may die a natural death and that they refuse to prosecute the case because these people were waterboarded, which how could anybody, how could anybody um, be upset that they were waterboarded? Um, Ted Cruz on Fox News said, quote, says, Fox News said, quote, these families have already been robbed of their loved ones. They should not also be robbed of the full measure of justice. September 11th plotters are mass murderers deserving the ultimate punishment. Indeed, if there are persons walking the face of the earth who are deserving of the death penalty, it is these five men. He said, um, if the terrorists never face trial, the American people and the victims of this horrific attack will be denied the justice and closure they rightly deserve. Any outcome short of a trial followed by the death penalty would constitute a total failure of leadership by the Defense Department. Um, Brett Eagleson, president of Justice 9-11, a grassroots organization made up of 9-11 survivors and victims' families, told Fox, quote, this is an absurd betrayal of justice. This is all about the fact that they're entering into plea deals which would allow these five inmates to avoid a public trial, and we deserve better than Americans, uh, better as Americans. All right, finally, as I mentioned, um, according to a new report, the reason grocery prices are out of control is at least partially due to a massive, massive hike, massive increase in food stamp benefits. Can't make this stuff up. They hiked the SNAP benefits, right, by a trillion dollars, no exaggeration. Biden has hiked SNAP benefits, which is food stamps, by a trillion dollars. That costs us money, right, because we're paying for the, for, for the SNAP benefits. Then we pay for it again a second time because now the grocery prices get, get increased as it's price gouging. Right. So the they artificially raise grocery prices because they know food stamps are going to pay for it. So now we now we have to pay extra. Um, So those of us who pay for groceries without government assistance, like are losing out uh, on both ends. Um, This, according to Fox News, Biden has increased food stamp benefits. So the grocery stores are jacking up the prices. 
because they know the government's footing the bill. Remember, we've seen this pattern again and again. The government pays for college tuition. The colleges jack up tuition costs because they know the government's going to pay for it. It's a vicious cycle. Government pays for prescriptions, and then big pharma jacks up the prices because they know the government is paying for it, Medicare, Medicaid, etc. They charge a fortune for insulin and other drugs. We know about COVID, trillions of dollars wasted on COVID relief and all the, all the fraud that went on there. Treatments that don't work. Drugs that did work, that were effective, that were ignored because they were not profitable. Government pays for baby formula. Remember, then there was a baby formula shortage, and baby formula costed a fortune. The government, and a lot of that was caused, as I explained back then, because of food stamps. Government pays for electronic electric vehicles, and they end up costing a fortune. Government pays for military equipment, private contractors charge a fortune. Remember when Trump first took office? Remember one of the first moves Trump made in office? I don't know if people remember this. He canceled. There was a $25 billion um, contract with, I believe, Lockheed Martin, a $25 billion contract to design a new Air Force One. And I believe it was a Lockheed Martin, but whatever it was, but it was $25 billion. And Trump said, what a waste. Taxpayer dollars, $25 billion. He's like, Air Force One is great. Look at the current Air Force One. What do you need to change it for? It's, it's fine. It's much better than any other airplane on the planet. And it's all just, you know, it's all a scam that they have with these, with these defense companies. But he literally, one of his first moves in office... $25 billion con- bogus contract for Air Force One, and Trump said this is a total waste. But it's a game that they play, and this is how the Democrats have turned our country into a socialist country, is with uh, programs like this, which then cause every, every industry, basically, the government has its hand in mortgages, colleges, health care, which is like uh, half of the total uh, federal budget, which is a huge chunk of the GDP, According to this government watchdog report, the Foundation for Government Accountability, they found that a push by the Biden administration to increase food stamps by a trillion dollars could be responsible for a 15% increase in grocery prices. That is, that's a huge increase. I mean, that's egregious. Um, the Department of Agriculture quietly rolled out revised nutritional standards for SNAP in 2021. That expanded the program by 27%. Overall spending, whatever, it, it's over a trillion dollars over the next decade because of um, Biden's Department of Agriculture hiking up the SNAP benefits. So this uh, Government Accountability Foundation says the increase in spending on food stamps has fueled a rise in grocery prices. Jonathan Ingram, vice president of policy and research, he said, quote, the USDA cooked their books to hike food stamp benefits by 27%. That's the largest permanent increase in program history. They bypassed Congress to do it. And now data shows that the Biden administration's overreach has led to massive spikes in grocery prices. They are feeding inflation, not stopping hunger. It is disgraceful. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.